0: I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Today's episode has been sponsored by Pediatrician In Your Pocket at dr-jen.com. Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg is a mother of three and a 20-plus year pediatrician, board certified, who has called all of her amazing advice and made a series of five-minute videos on everything from feeding and sleeping to safety and all types of parenting issues, which basically every parent out there can use, especially in the middle of the night when you can't reach your pediatrician. So this is like a must do. And she's offering a discount to everyone with code PIP20. PIP20 is the code to get 20% off of all of her modules. So definitely go to doctor gen.com and check it out. It's also on a link in my website to zibbyowens.com. I'm speaking today to Ray Dalio, who's the founder, co-CIO, and co-chairman of Bridgewater Associates. He is the number one New York Times bestselling author of Principles, Life and Work, and the new Younger Readers edition, Principles for Success, an entertaining illustrated format for readers of all ages. He also wrote Principles for Navigating Big Debt Crises, which I think I might skip. By following his own principles, Ray built the fifth most important private company in the U.S., was judged to be one of the 100 most influential people in the world, and became one of the 50 largest philanthropists in the U.S. A graduate of Long Island University with an MBA from Harvard Business School, he currently lives with his wife in Greenwich, Connecticut. Welcome, Ray. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So can you please tell listeners what... Principles, Life and Work, and then the offshoot of that, Principles for Success, are about what made you write these books and what's so important about principles?
1: Well, I didn't actually start out to write a book. Whenever I was making a decision through a large part of my life, I would write down the criteria that I would use to make the decision and then I showed it to others So it gave me good reflections on why I made decisions and I realized, you know, everything happens over and over again. So when that thing that I was making a decision about would happen again, I would pick up what I wrote and then figure how did that principle apply to the next time and and so on. So I, I developed these principles for operating in that way. And then when I was, I suppose, 10 years ago, I started to get a lot of attention and then I put that online because people were interested. They were wondering what the way of operating was. And it got downloaded by three and a half million people. And then when I decided to step out of the CEO job and pass it on to others, I took that compendium. And I made a book of it called Principles, Life and Work Principles. That sold two and a half million copies, but it's a 600-page book. And But a lot of people told me, wow, it changed my life. It had an important effect on them. And a number of parents said, can you make it a simpler version that I could read to my kids? Because I'd like to pass them along. It's different from the regular principles that they're learning. And then also other people wanted to get it in a distilled version rather than the 600 page version. Can you know? I decided to make it real short and real easy to read. So it's like 125 pages with probably... 25 words on a page or something, so I needed to distill it down for that reason, and that's why the kids' book. I I won't. It's really a book of all ages. People, adults like it as well as kids liking, and parents read it to their kids. So it's a simple book that basically conveys these simple principles that help me and seem to be helping a lot of people.
0: And you said this funny line at the beginning of Principles, you said, before I begin telling you what I think, I want to establish that I'm a dumb shit who doesn't know much relative to what I need to know, which is such a funny way to start. So why, and you said you didn't want to sound presumptuous by saying you know more than anyone else, and yet you've had this unique life and way of seeing the world of all the things, like, what do you think is the most important for people to to take away that made you over and over dedicate yourself to writing this book and then the offshoot of the book?
1: Well, I, I think that sort of summarizes one of the most important principles. Like, I think the greatest tragedy of mankind and the greatest tragedy of individuals is having opinions that are wrong that could be so easily stress tested or to think that their opinions are right just because they have them or to think that they have in their heads most of what they need, whereas if they instead realize that what's out there in the way of different thinking is so much greater than anything that they have in their heads, and that if they were to just you know step back and harvest all of that and take in and stress test their opinions, they can get so much more benefit. So when I say that, I really mean that. I think almost all really successful people at the point got, became really successful, not because of what they know, although they learn a lot more by being radically open-minded, but mostly by knowing how to deal with their not knowing and taking it in and growing and triangulating. So that would be the number one thing. And I think it's so different from school. School's the opposite. I think that if you understand that most learning comes from making mistakes and that everybody has strengths and weaknesses, and that if you know how to make the most out of mistakes, to learn from mistakes and not feel bad or diminished because you're making mistakes, and realize that everybody has weaknesses and success is achieved, by sort of knowing how to work with others who are strong or you're weak and to accept your weaknesses, you can be tremendously successful. But school and a lot of the environment diminishes the appreciation for mistakes. You you know, people become so perfectionistic and they think, oh, I'm smart because I got a high grade on the test. Well, a lot of life is when you fail. So learning begins really with the failure, not because you get it right.
0: So interesting. I love how you call it the blind spot barrier, where you have others who help you and see what you can't see, and sometimes you don't even realize that, right?
1: Right, we all, we all see differently, our minds work. Some people see the big picture, some people see details. It's so interesting, it's like the, you know, the fable of the seven blind men and the elephant, we are all touching different pieces. And when you can triangulate and see things through other people's eyes, and you could do that with humility, you can see many dimensions that you individually could not see. And so it's so stupid to hold on to your one opinion and not do that triangulation and not do that stress testing and then appreciate mistakes for learning.
0: I'm throwing out all my opinions after this call.
1: <laughs> well, I say, I describe it, I, I describe it the capacity to be open minded and assertive at sa- the same time. In other words, to have humility and to be curious, but don't accept things that don't make sense to you. So keep asking the questions and learning, but do it with great open mindedness and great humility and learn the most, appreciate failures. Like I would describe it as my reaction to making mistakes changed. I, in writing down these principles, I realized that every time I made a mistake, it was like a puzzle. And if I could solve the puzzle, I would get a gem. And the puzzle was, what would I do differently in the future to make a better decision? And the gem I would get, would this be this principle of how I could be better and I'd write it down. And so the mistakes themselves, I didn't feel bad about. In other words, I, I realized that they would bring me things that were learning, that they would bring me things that helped my process. I think so many people feel bad about mistakes and feel bad about themselves rather than have that instinctual reaction like, oh, this is just learning.
0: Excellent advice. (laughs) You also said another way to look at things that we're pursuing is you said the things we strive for are just the bait. The struggle to get them with people that we care about gives us the personal evolution and the meaningful relationships that are the real rewards, which I loved because it's such a different way of thinking about goals. And there's so much in the culture about like achieving things and goals. And this is sort of like the journey is more important than the, the destination type of philosophy, right?
1: Yes. I learned that. I learned exactly what you're, what you're saying. Like I'd go after something and I'd achieve a goal or wouldn't achieve a goal, but I would be on the mission with somebody. And then you get to the goal. And it was enjoyable, but it was enjoyable for a little bit of time. And I never settle on that. And then I keep going. And so it's a little bit like maybe trying to climb Everest or trying to climb a mountain. And what you realize is now you're on the mission. And the struggling with other people is the real reward because when you achieve that goal, whatever that might be, oh, maybe you want to get a whatever it is, you want to get a nice house, you want to get a car or whatever it is, and you achieve that goal. You're not gonna be satisfied and it's in that mission of climbing the or working that achievement. So I, I believe that what brings us satisfaction, greatest satisfaction is having meaningful work and meaningful relationships. To be on a mission to achieve something that's meaningful work. I'm learning, I'm contributing, I'm doing that. And to do it with meaningful relationships with other people that's the greatest source of reward. It's not the thing you get.
0: This is sort of how I felt about business school. I know we both went to Harvard Business School. I feel like the whole point was being stressed out and bonding with all the people you went through the program with, not necessarily the MBA degree at the end of it.
1: Right. And that's what life is. Yeah. <laughs> because you're excited now because you've got your, your mission, and I'm excited for you and your mission. You've got your mission to convey these things in a very palatable way, the different perspectives to moms. That's a great mission. And so then when you get to do it with other people, that in and of itself is satisfying. Just imagine how you'll feel if you were done with it. Yeah. It's not as, okay, then you you need something else. And it's that journey. That's what life's journey is, to evolve personally and to contribute to evolution.
0: Do you think people actually can understand this in the moment? Or do you think you have to come to this realization? Like, do you think you're telling people? Because it's so true. Do you think it's enough for people to realize? Or do they have to go through something? Kind of like when you go through loss, you realize all these things. But even if people tell you, you might not realize it. You have to live it. Do you feel like that with this? Or have you found that trying to teach people from your experience is enough?
1: I think it requires both. I think it requires the help to reflect on what's happening. In other words, I think it's a real contribution when somebody goes through an experience to simultaneously have a good reflection on their experience that they're going through. So I think it requires both the perspective and the experience So I think I could communicate these things and we could intellectually say, right, I get it, that makes sense. Then you're in the moment. And if in the moment you can reflect well, that is the best learning. I have an expression principle, pain plus reflection equals progress. If you just have the pain through that moment, and then you go on and you don't have quality reflections on that pain or, or that mistake, whatever, then you're not going to make the progress. You need the, both the experience and the reflection.
0: So I know that you've been successful in your financial area of the world and in many other ways. And I have been very focused recently on the book world. And the way that you've approached this book, I feel like is so genius because it's you didn't just deliver the book But you do have, as you mentioned, this book for all ages, but also the series that you did with the eight episodes in under 30 minutes of the mini series adventure. And then this amazing app that you created, which basically gives the book away and allows readers to customize their own principles. It's really genius because it just like makes you engage with the content that much more. Tell me how you thought about this way of delivering
1: a book. Well, a book is only a vehicle to deliver information just like you have your, what you're doing is you're drawing on all the books, but you're drawing the information out of the books with the authors to convey the information. So I wanted to convey that information because I'm at a stage in my life, I'm 70 years old, and I want to pass along the things that have been valuable to me. And so um, it was important to realize that people see things differently. They, you know, there needs to be a quick and easy way of conveying most important things. And then there needs to be a more complete, extensive way of conveying the most important things. And so I was just thinking about what are the best ways to convey it to different people. Like the economics of a book are not relevant. I give it away, like you say, there's a principles in action is an app that is free on the Apple App Store. And it includes the book, but it also includes instances, videos of real-life situations that are people can look at and see it. Or there's that animation, principles for success, the animation, the 30. Whatever vehicle is easy to digest and entertaining for the right audience is what I want to use, and I realize I need more than one to get it through. And then on the other thing I've done, which I really enjoy, and I'm by the way, I'm not going to do this for long. I'm just doing it while I'm passing it along. But I found that interacting with people on social media has been great, too, because then we there's a principle of the day. They get the principle of the day. We have interactions and so on. And that is something that becomes a more effective way of communicating. And then I'm I'm done. I want people to write <laughs> their own principles. So that's basically it.
0: So if I'm sitting down and saying, okay, tonight I want to write all my own principles, and I went through the exercise in the app, which was fantastic and helped me, but if someone's listening and says, you know what, this is a great idea, I need to spend time sort of figuring out my own guiding principles in life, how would you recommend they approach that?
1: I would say that when they're in the situation, that either they can go look at other people's principles, they could think about their principles, or they can actually make a decision and say, I made that decision and write down their principles at that time. So let's say you're dealing with moms raising kids. First, realize that whatever you're encountering has been encountered many times before by other people. And so it's not your first. So think, is there a principle for the best way of doing that? I don't know. Maybe my I'm a grandparent now and I watch my kids have their kids and want to come in there and they want to sleep with them at night. <laughs> and so how do you deal with that? Well, that's not the first time that's happened and there are probably good principles. So they might say, let me go try to find whatever those good principles are or they might discover it themselves. They encounter it and then they write it down and they say, "What what is the way of dealing with children who want to come into the room in the middle of the night or at a certain hour and sleep with you, what is the best way for dealing with that? Now, you know, there's a principle. So whether you write it down ahead of time or not, it is almost incidental as much as you write it down, you look at, or you can get it from others, and then you accumulate it. And then over a period of time, you will have your collection of principles. You can't make it abstract. Don't you sit down and say, I want to now write my principles down, because it won't. it's not realistic. It's not the, the real encounter that'll give you the vividness of reflecting on what you're doing. And when you start to do it that way, then you start to think in a principled way. And it's a whole different way of thinking, because most people are sort of in a blizzard of things that are coming at them, and they're just dealing with those things. And they don't realize that every one of those things is just another one of those that happens over and over again. And if you start to think in a principled way where you're saying, okay, well, what one of those is it? And how should I deal with those? You start to deal in a higher level way than this blizzard of stuff that comes at you. And so anyway, that's what I would recommend, the experiences and the reflections and Writing it down or looking at it that way.
0: Well, I've I've tried everything else to get my kids to not come into my room at night. So maybe writing a principal about it will finally help. Maybe that's the secret ingredient I've been missing.
1: <laughs> but I'll bet you I'll bet you dollars to donuts that there's a good principle out there that could probably help you. You don't have to do it alone either. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I feel like I've tried eight million principles, but I'm, I won't give up.
1: <laughs> I know it isn't easy. Parenting is. Oh, that's the toughest job.
0: <laughs> so as a grandfather giving everybody all these principles, if your grandchildren were listening and you wanted to tell them like one or two things not to ever forget, what would those things be?
1: Well, that's, uh, by the way, I, my grand, my oldest grandson is six years old and I read the book with him and we have the most fabulous conversations. And so we go through all of those. And he has... so. But the main things have to do with life is a journey and you will have these encounters and reality works in a certain way. And if you have determination and you have your dreams and you encounter the realities well so that you learn how does reality work and you learn your strengths and weaknesses and you learn others through mistakes and through learning and you do that well with others, you will get to where you wanna go. And that success, my message for success, is that you determine what success is, and it'll change with time. So there's no notion of success means making a lot of money, or there's no notion, there's no particular thing. that you have to feel that pull, and you will experience the failures and, your, and successes, and there's so much value, in that self-discovery process and the discovery of that. And it's an adventure. So don't feel bad about the mistakes. Go on the adventure. You know, it's that kind of stuff that I would want to convey, except we get much more, you know, into the nitty gritty of what that's like in the book.
0: And from a writing perspective, I know you, you self-published and then went to Simon & Schuster afterwards. Now you have this huge principles, sort of empire that you've created, what advice would you have to aspiring authors who want to attempt something similar or something on a much smaller scale?
1: Well, just to be clear, Simon Schuster did my first book. They asked me to do it. And that's the one that sold, you know, two and a quarter million copies. The second one, what I wanted to do was I wanted to largely be able to give it away free and so on. So I made the point of making a deal that I would, the second book, which is the debt. Principles. I self-published, and then I wanted to give it away free because that's not that wasn't going to work for them. And then this book is Simon and Schuster again. So I guess what I would say is I was fortunate in the fact that I knew that, and Simon and Schuster knew that there would be a pretty big demand for the book. We didn't know that it would be so giant, but we knew that there would be a book. So if you're in a position where you have a publisher and you don't know what you're, you know, what you're doing, pick yourself. The right publisher someone who understands you ha- wants to help you get to where you want to get and will work with you in that way and then if you then there's the mechanics of the publishing so there's a there's a benefit sometimes for self-publishing it, it may be because you can't find somebody wants to publish your book in which case then that probably maybe tells you something about the man but maybe you give it a shot or it may be that you want to just have total control over it and then you would self-publish. I think for most people, I wouldn't self-publish. I think that really it's great to find the right publisher who can work with you to accomplish what you want to accomplish.
0: And then one last question about you as a as a parent. And when you look back on all the time you spent building your business and also parenting for sons, right? Four sons. What do you think you did really well? Like, what would you advise people try to emulate about your parenting experience? And what do you maybe wish that you could have done better?
1: I think that to know that the quality of the time, two things, to know that the quality of the time with the person, with the child, with the, is, The most important thing, it doesn't necessarily have to be the quantity of time. Most parents encounter a work-life balance. And then how do you achieve that? And the way to achieve that is to know how to get the most out of an hour. In other words, most people who feel that there's a conflict between two things probably don't realize that there are better approaches to get the most out of an hour. And so what that means is the quality of the time is very important. And the second thing I would say was letting them make decisions and their own opinions at a very, very early age. In other words, why do you think that to do the back and forth to recognize that one's own path, my parents' own desired path for the kids may not be the best path because they have to. Discover things through their own experiences and so on and try to maximize it. so I have four sons who are very, very, very different people, each has chosen different paths in life, and I like that. The challenge I would say that I have is maybe along those lines maybe being too big of a person in their lives, you know too much of a of a shadow um, maybe i I create too much of a shadow, so I would say that would be probably my biggest challenge. I have to make sure that I shut up a lot more. <laughs> you know, and 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 re- re- make sure that I'm the more the quietest if we're in a family event and so on. I really want to make sure that I do the best job possible of not talking, of, of receding and letting them flourish. And so more and more, the more they can flourish on their own, think on their own, experience life on their own, and then that I can not offer any thoughts, but just respond to them, you know, the better that is.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I'm sure the the shadow that you cast is a, it's a very pleasant shadow to be under. You have so much great advice and insights. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing them with me and for listeners on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And thank you for the multimedia format so that your content is just so easily and readily digestible. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you for helping me pass along of these things that I'm excited about passing along. I hope they're helpful to you and your listeners.
0: My pleasure. Certainly helpful to me. So thank you.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, the award-winning podcast. Today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books was sponsored by Pediatrician in Your Pocket by Dr. Jennifer Trachtenberg, doctor generalcom Enter code PIP20, PIP20, for 20% off of these can't miss modules that will make your parenting life so much easier. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.